This podcast is distributed for informational purposes, and listeners should refer to important disclosures in the blog and the website for more information. Welcome to the WealthCast, where host Charles Bowinski and his guests share their global expertise and the most current information for your financial planning needs. Each inspiring interview will help you to maximize your financial stability and growth so you can have more time doing the things you love. And now, here's Charles. Hello and welcome to the WealthCast. I'm your host, Charles Bowinski. On this podcast, we give you the information that you need to know in order to be a good steward of your wealth and enjoy the luxury of financial independence. On this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Pat Runyon. Pat worked for PwC, one of the big four accounting firms, where he specialized in helping Fortune 500 executives with their retirement planning needs. On this podcast, Pat and I will discuss a number of important year-end financial planning topics. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Pat. Welcome to the WealthCast. Thanks so much for joining me today and to talk about the important uh, planning considerations that, that people should be thinking about as we get into the end of the year 2020. Happy to be here, Chess. Thanks. You're very welcome. So let's start. You, you were kind enough to provide me with a list of sort of subjects that you think people should be thinking about as we get closer to year end. And why don't we just walk through that list? So Pat, the first thing on your list was the suggestion to complete a pro forma tax return. Let's talk about that in the context of 2020. Yeah, so we're, we're about 10 months through the year here. And uh, for most folks, I think you have a pretty good idea of what your tax return may look like at the end of the year. So uh, I encourage people to start sketching that out, either working with your CPA or doing it yourself, because there may be some opportunities to do some proactive tax planning ahead of year end. So what kind of examples would, would there be there? Yeah, so in 2020, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that are, are kind of coming together. Uh, the first is we just find ourselves in a historically low uh, tax environment. That may change. It's an election year. So uh, you, you want to take advantage of that when you can. Uh, in addition, with everything that's happened in regard to COVID-19 and, and the subsequent downturn in the market, a lot of folks likely took capital losses in their portfolio in the March-April timeframe. And the CARES Act came out at the end of March, and there was a number of provisions in there. But one of the, the more interesting ones for tax planning purposes is the fact that nobody needs to take required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts in 2020. So unless you need those to live off of, it may be a good year to skip those. And that enables you to lower your taxable income this year. So in a year when taxable income is low, it's, it's usually a good idea to look for proactive uh, opportunities to pay tax at reasonable brackets. One of the strategies that can be really effective for that is something called a Roth IRA conversion. This is the idea of taking money from a pre-tax retirement account and proactively moving it to a Roth IRA. Now, the neat thing about this is it's not an all, all or nothing proposition. You can actually pick the amount that you want to move to a Roth IRA, and that amount becomes taxable income to you this year. So what, what we often see and what we encourage people to do is if they find themselves in a low tax bracket, let's say you know, the 10%, the 12%, all the way up to maybe even the 24% bracket, there may be opportunities to pay very reasonable tax rates 
move the money into a Roth. Now, all those proceeds, as well as any of the earnings on those dollars, are tax-free forever. So it becomes a really effective strategy, either for tax planning currently or estate planning over the long run. And that could be particularly effective for someone who's in the first full year of retirement where their income has, has declined. That provides that particular opportunity that's a great planning strategy because typically in the in the first four years of retirement, you know, you hang it up, you're not making a paycheck anymore, and you, you turn to the next year, and you're typically living off of more tax efficient assets, whether it be, uh, you know, withdrawals from from cash that you've built up, or uh, you're selling out of high basis, low capital gain assets, and that enables you to really manage your tax bracket in the first few years of retirement. So that's a great example of an opportunity where people find themselves in really advantageous tax positions. That's great. What about uh, deductions and charitable giving here at the end of the year? Any special considerations given 2020? Yeah. So this is something we're seeing in combination with everything we just spoke about with with Roths. Um, I always say to people, when you give to charity, you want to give to charity for charitable reasons, not for tax reasons, because at the end of the day, you're still out the money. But it's important that if you are giving to charity, there may be more tax efficient ways to do it. So one of the low hanging fruit options is giving instead of giving cash, you give appreciated securities. So for appreciated securities, let's say you, you hold uh, an investment that has a large unrealized gain. Well, the neat thing about charitable organizations is they don't pay any tax. So to the organization, whether you give cash from your bank account to support them or you give an appreciated security, either way, that's the same amount of money to them. So what we often encourage people to do is take some of those appreciated securities and donate them to charity and now you've saved tax twice with the deduction you get on your current year tax return, as well as the elimination of the gain from your portfolio. Yeah, this is a common discussion that, that you would have with a client. The benefit of rather than writing checks out of your money market, give the appreciated securities. It's the government is subsidizing your gift. That's it. It's, it's, it's really a no brainer. So let's, let's move on then and talk about the planning opportunities that may have been provided by low interest rates. How should people think about taking advantage of lower rates at this point? Yeah. So the, one of the more common ways right now, we're seeing a lot of people refinance. So if you have a mortgage that maybe you entered into 10 or 15 years ago and you, you, you haven't really paid much attention to it and you see that your interest rate is say above four, four and a half percent, it's a very attractive environment right now to refinance. And a lot of times there's ways that you can do it with what's called a lender credit. And there's really no money out of pocket to do it. They build the, the, the fee into the rate. So you may be able to trade your 4.5% mortgage for a 3.5% mortgage without any type of out-of-pocket expense. Or if there is an out-of-pocket expense, let's say it's a few thousand dollars to, to execute the refinance, you're able to do it assuming that you're going to be in the house for at least, say, five years or so. That's normally what we see as a, a break-even point. So if you're in a home, you have a, a higher interest rate than you're comfortable with, and we see low rates right now, it might be a really good idea to look at proactively refinancing your mortgage down to a more favorable rate. And then the other opportunity that I've seen is using a pledged asset line for short-term borrowing. Yeah, so that's one. Uh, this is an idea that I see a lot of people um, either haven't heard of or don't don't realize is is even an option. So if you have money sitting in a brokerage account, so let's say any type of non-retirement account, that can be used as collateral to build a loan. So let's say you, you have a million dollar brokerage account, you may be able to create 
the equivalent of a home equity line, but you're using, instead of using your home as collateral, you're using your investment portfolio as collateral. The most common situation we see people use these in is in a real estate purchase. Let's say you, you may be contingent in order to buy a new home. You know, you have to sell your current home first in order to buy the next one. Well, in, in a competitive env environment like we're in today with real estate where interest rates are low, a lot of people are, you know, at home on realtor.com. I know my wife is all the time. You know, you can really take advantage of not having that, that cash in hand by borrowing against your portfolio at a really low interest rate. So if you have a million dollar brokerage account, you may be able to borrow four or five, six hundred thousand dollars against that. Put the down payment on the home, you sell your home, you close out the line, and it costs you very little in interest rates given that we're in a low rate environment. Um, my favorite part of these is there's no closing costs. You, you establish the line, you only pay the interest when you actually draw down on the line. And most times in a bridge loan type of situation, the line may be outstanding for just a few weeks. So it's a really efficient way to kind of come up with cash without having to, to sell securities, pay tax, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's, I think uh, for those investors that have significant unrealized capital gains in their taxable accounts, this provides the opportunity potentially to put that money to work in terms of a new piece of property, real estate, but also to do the tax planning necessary to stretch those capital gains out over into next year or whatever whatever the, the appropriate tax planning strategy is for that, for that individual or that family. Um, that's a great strategy. What about um, uh, low interest rates and the impact on gifting strategies? I know GRATs are, are one area. and We're going to have a full podcast on taking advantage of GRATs down the road in the next month or so. But let's talk about that for one, just for a second. Yeah, sure. So GRATs are a really good opportunity to sh shift assets to uh, the next generation or other beneficiaries with very low gift tax impact. In a lot, a lot of cases, there's no gift tax impact. So as you might know, a lot of, uh, or a lot of people utilize the annual gifting exclusion, which is we give anybody $15,000 without having any type of tax impact. So you don't have to file a gift tax return. It's a way that you can shift money each year to somebody without any complications. So a GRAT is this idea of taking an investment and this can be a privately held investment like shares in a company all the way to just a traditional publicly traded investment. And you put this in a trust and the trust usually runs for three, four, five years. And the idea here is because interest rates are so low right now, the government applies an interest rate discount to what you gifted. And there's a complex calculation, but in, in essence, what this enables you to do is take this investment, and if it grows, you are able to pass that growth onto the beneficiary without any gift tax complications, even if the growth is significant and over you know, the annual limit. So you can structure these in a way that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too by keeping the investment in your name, getting it paid back to you, but the appreciation goes to the next generation. So it's, it's a really effective technique in the event you're trying to pass assets during your lifetime. That's great, Pat. The, in the next uh, several weeks, we're going to record another podcast talking specifically about this strategy with some examples. So stay tuned. There's, there's going to be more information on, on GRATs and how you might be able to use them for your family. Let's move on to the idea of revisiting an estate plan at this point in time. You know, what opportunities should we be thinking about from a planning standpoint? 
Yeah, I, th I think one of the most commonly missed planning opportunities is for people to just check their beneficiaries. So retirement accounts, annuities, life insurance policies all have designated beneficiaries. And I, I don't think people realize how powerful they are. So for instance, if I wanted to pass my 401k to my brother, but I listed my sister as the beneficiary, and my will says I want it to go to my brother. It's going to go to my sister every time. The reason that is is because the beneficiary designation overrides whatever your estate documents say. So I would encourage everybody to take a look at their designated beneficiaries because it, invariably things change in your life. And that's one of the last things you think of to look at. The other reason that that's become you know, a more important thing to check on is back at the end of 2019, which seems like 10 years ago at this point through 2020. It sure does. <laughs> but there was this law change called the SECURE Act that came through. And one of the really popular techniques that was very effective was passing retirement accounts to your children. And your children, if they inherit that retirement account, they were able to do what's called a stretch of those distributions over the rest of their life. So it enabled them to defer the tax on these accounts for a very long period of time. Well, that went away. The, the, the idea of the stretch IRA was eliminated in the SECURE Act. And now whoever inherits your retirement account has to withdraw that over 10 years. And that changes the game in terms of how effective it is to pass that on to somebody that may be younger. It's really important that you take that into account, the beneficiaries, with the overall goals of your estate plan to make sure that the right people are inheriting the right assets. The other thing is, it's just a good idea to check your documents. Again, we're in an election year. We could see massive overhauls to the way the estate law and the estate tax work. There's talk in proposals of maybe getting rid of what's called the step up in basis, where at somebody's death, their, their fair market value of their assets gets stepped up to what it value is at the date of death, which eliminates gains. You know, that is something that could, could be a game changer in terms of how uh, estate planning is done today. So you want to just make sure that the documents are in line with what your goals are, but you're also paying attention to any large or any, any significant changes to estate law that you revisit those documents to make sure that they're still in line with where you want them to be. And then um, a grab and go envelope for your family, just a sort of a centralized place for all the documentation that, that people may need should something happen. Should, should there be any illness or death in the family, whatever the case may be? Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I, I heard this from another, it was actually an insurance person that was on a, on a webcast and it was, I just thought it was a fantastic idea. So it's the idea that you set people up for uncomplicated settlement of an estate in the event something happens to you. It's good for folks that are a little bit older. They want to make sure that you know things are handled smoothly in the events that they pass away. So what we encourage people to do is a grab and go envelope where you include not only your estate documents, but what, you know, your address, your primary physician, any emergency contact that you want listed, medications, allergies, et cetera. So in the event you become either incapacitated or you pass away, the first people that get there, that envelope is in a prominent place in, on either you know, your counter or in your kitchen or in your living room that somebody can grab that and get all of the relevant information they need in order to take the next steps. It's something that you know, I've encouraged uh, people that I've spoken with to start thinking about and putting together one particular person that we did this for. It was just a load off their shoulders that they did this and let their children know where it was in the house. And it just gave them a credible amount of peace of mind knowing that in the event something happens, they've already kind of gotten things in order for the people that they leave behind. 
Yeah, that, and that is, after all, the primary purpose, right, is to alleviate stress for the folks that either may be taking care of you or taking care of your estate after you pass away. Yeah, that's one of the more, more stressful positions you can be in is trying to not only potentially losing a loved one or a loved one that's sick or, or incapacitated, not only that heartache that goes with that, but also just the complications of trying to you know, gather everything and make sure things are taken care of. Makes total sense. Well, Pat, this is really helpful. Thanks again. And I look forward to the next time we have the opportunity to chat about these, these important topics. Thank you, Chess. Thanks for joining Pat Runyon and me today as we discussed uh, year-end financial planning topics. Let us know if there's any way that we can help you or, or answer any questions that you might have. Pat's certainly available. I'm available. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to The Wealthcast. You can get all the details on this episode, our guests, and everything you need to know so you can create and enjoy the luxury of financial independence by visiting us at moderawealth.com slash thewealthcast. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you catch every episode. We'll see you next time on The Wealthcast. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.